All right. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm joined by my very special guest, Mr. Brandon Paul. Brandon, how we doing, bud? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Don't Where the hell me. are you? I'm in Australia. I'm in Southern Australia, a city called Adelaide. Adelaide. How long you been in Australia for? Um, I've been here just about four weeks, I want to say, and two of them were spent in quarantine. So I want to say just under two weeks, pretty much. What was the um, what was the travel like getting over there? Was it nuts or? Um, it wasn't that crazy. You know, it was kind of uh, you had to get a lot of paperwork done. You had to get a lot of, of uh, uh, agreements done with the government, you know, and playing basketball. It kind of helps you skip a couple of those lines. So that helped out a little bit. So in terms of like vaccines and stuff, do they have like a whole thing like rolled out there or is it like? A little crazier in New York, uh, and, um, and, and, and uh, in the United States, it's definitely a little bit crazier back home. But out here, like COVID is like it's clear; it's like not even a thing. Like if really, they, if there's like two cases, they'll shut down an entire city. So wow. like they're one of this is so this is my second time doing a two week quarantine. When I was I was in China a few months back, and when I got out there, I had to do a two week quarantine. Same thing out here; you show up go straight to your hotel, check in, and you literally cannot leave your room for those two weeks. Like they bring food to your door and they come really? and knock. You gotta wait 30 seconds to open it and you, you literally can't leave your room. All for the love of hooping. Mm-hmm, exactly. All for the love of hooping. So let's talk basketball. Um, so you went to Illinois in 2009, right? Yes, sir. Um, you're from Illinois. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it says that you're from a town called Gurney. Did you live there yeah. or did you move somewhere else? No, I, I grew up in Gurney. So Gurney is like the northern suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Uh, right down the street from my house was like Six Flags Great America. It's like a main street back home. And, you know, so I grew up pretty much north suburbs. Cool, cool. Uh, I always have to ask, um, who's your favorite Chicago artist? My favorite Chicago artist? Ooh, um, that's tough. I would say I listen to Chance the most. Okay. Um, but I'm, you know, I've always been a big Kanye fan, you know, despite sure. some of the stuff that he's been going through. Kanye's a genius, you know, he's, he's a musical he genius. Is. And I think he's, he's done an amazing job. You know, and he, you know, he says wild stuff, but, uh, most artists do say wild stuff. Right. Exactly. You know, and, um, it can't, it, as much as, you know, he says stuff that you can't stand by, uh, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is my favorite album of all time. Ooh, yes. So, I mean, uh, it's hard. It's Kanye, hard for me. He's up there. He's, he's, he's up one there. of the goats. I mean, you can't, you really can't uh, put a question mark on his greatness as far as his musical abilities. No, it's super rich now. Yeah. Super Apparently duper rich. First black billionaire ever or in the States. So. Yep. So he's absolutely crushing it. Uh, and, you know, um, so you're growing up in Gurney, you're hooping there. From what age did you know? All right, I think I could do this professionally. Um, honestly, I was like, I was like in third grade, third or fourth grade, and I was just like killing everybody. And yeah. Obviously, you're young, so I don't really know what's going on. But they, one day, they just they're just like, you can't play with these kids anymore. You gotta play with the other kids. So I started playing with the kids that were like two and three years older than I was, and I was like holding my own. So I was like. You know, this is really fun. Like, I kind of yeah. want to do this. And then as I started to get older, my mom started showing me more, like, college basketball, professional basketball. My dad would take us to the Bulls games. We'd show up, 
me and my brothers, I'd be in a Pippin jersey, my younger brother in a Rodman jersey, my older brother in a Jordan jersey. We'd have our hair dyed, and I'm like, this is this is the life. Oh, you guys, you guys fun. went for it. We went all out, man. Shout out to my out. dad. He, he got us all ready for those games. Did your dad hoop? My dad played uh, semi-pro football. My mom actually hooped. Okay, so your mom yeah. hooped, but your dad mm-hmm. was an athlete. Yeah, so I got the you, best of both worlds. So you got the best of both worlds. A lot mm-hmm. of basketball players that I talk to, like, um, a lot of it's been their moms that have been hooping. Mm-hmm. And, it's uh, wild. You know, she was she was good, man. She was real good. She played at Ball State for a year. She coached okay. when I was younger, too. So you've just been around it since the jump. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then just not having to pay for any AAUs at all. Nah, nah. <laughs> I, I grew up. <laughs> it was a little different back then, you know. This, it, it, was, it was definitely a, a good time back just then. Th- just, throw, just throw you a jersey. Throw yeah, you a jersey. Exactly. You can run with us today if you want. Don't worry about it. No birth <laughs> certificate. Let's right, just cool. Yeah. On, what are you, 16? All right, yeah, let's hoop. That's it. Um, so... I always ask this too to basketball players, right? You're a guard. Mm-hmm. Have, did you ever want to play another position, whether it be like a power forward or a center while you were growing up? Cause sometimes like, listen, I'm the, I was, I was a high school all-star. That was about it. Small town. Yeah. Uh, I'm only five, nine, but for some reason, I always wanted to be a fucking power forward. Really? It just looked cooler. You know what I mean? It was it was like meat and potatoes, like bring your lunch right. pail type of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Guards, we got to be too sexy. You know, we got to <laughs> we got to control the entire offense. Did you ever want to ever try maybe even another sport or a different position, or are you just like you know I'm just gonna play this one two like type of hybrid guard and get going? Yeah, I mean, I was in a lot of different sports growing up. Uh, my dad had us in karate. Uh, I was I played baseball. Baseball was probably my second sport. And football, I only played one year, and that was because all my friends were playing, and I wanted to hang out on Sundays. Like, I didn't want to be missing out. But honestly, I would say baseball was my second sport until I didn't make a team right before high school. And I was just like, this is, this ain't it. You know, I'm going to stick to basketball. And I was good enough to make a team. I just didn't make it because, you know, one of the coaches' dads, one of the kids' dads was the coach. That's another AAU problem, too. Exactly. Yeah. Problem. Lose some minutes to coach's dad, uh, uh, coach's son. But um, so baseball, you played a little bit. Football, you played one year until your coach was like, stop doing that. Um, basketball for you. Was it an escape as a kid? Was it fun? Was it a mixture of both? Um, what do you think basketball taught you about later in life? Mm-hmm. when you were playing it earlier in life because you know a lot of people always say it's like the team aspect it teaches you how to be a team player but right. i also think that sports teach you how to deal with emotions right um they teach you how to handle yourself in tough situations mm-hmm. uh, what do you take most from basketball not on a professional level but on a personal level uh that's a great question you know i, I think i played it pretty much because it was all, all i knew at the time you know my, my parents put me into it all my brothers played all my friends played and it helped that I was just talented, more talented than everybody. So, you know, I'm coming in and I'm so used to being like the best player. So it's a good feeling, you know, especially as a young kid. Um, But, you know, I've had so many different coaches, especially when I was younger, bouncing around from different AU teams. Like I want to say I was essentially the Christian Leighton of AU. Like I was, (laughs) I was on every, every single team out there, you know, dream team, um, Duke in the same year. I was running around. Yeah. And, uh, 
just dealing with different coaches and, and being yelled at different ways, it kind of just taught me maturity. It taught me how to handle certain situations better than, you know, my peers. You know, I feel like I matured a lot faster than the guys around me. You know, I was able For to, sure. I was able to uh, turn the switch on and off. Like if I was getting yelled at, I wasn't taking it personal. I was trying right. to listen to what I was being yelled at about rather than, oh, he's, he's always yelling my case. He's always yelling at me. Like a lot of guys, it's hard for them to take constructive criticism. And I kind of found out at a young age that taking that was going to help me in life. Especially when you're nice. Uh, people that are listening, nice means really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're nice. It's like you kind of know what you're doing. And then, you know, certain coaches, they know how to speak to guys differently, right? There's guys mm -hmm. you can yell at. There's guys you can put your arm around. Exactly. Um, but you being at the top level your entire life, you know, he was probably looking more for you, all of your coaches to, you know, lead by example, motivate other guys. But when it comes mm -hmm. down on you as the star, you could either take it a certain way. Uh, you can either go left or you can go right. Um, let's talk about high school basketball. Mm -hmm. What is high school basketball like in Illinois? Because I know in, in New York, you know, you got the Rices, the Christ, the Kings, you know, you have the big programs here. Um, even right. at AAU, you got the Gauchos, Riverside, you got all that stuff. What's basketball like competitively uh, growing up as a high school kid um, in what, 2006 to 2009? Right. 2009? Um, it, was, it was all over the place, man. And, and people go back and forth, you know, who's got the best basketball? New York, Chicago, New York, right. Chicago. And I mean, those are the two meccas, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I didn't grow up in New York or I didn't grow up in Chicago. So I right. grew up a suburban kid. So I was called suburban soft, you know, suburban everywhere I went. Soft. Yeah. Suburban yeah. soft. Oh, this kid's soft. He, he's not ready for Chicago basketball. So I took that, I took it personally you know, I, and, and that, I took it personally in a good way. I wanted to show them like, I don't care where, you know, I don't care that I'm from the North suburbs. I'm going to be the best guy out there. So the AU scene all blended. So I was playing right. against all the Chicago guys, you know, all the, the top ranked guys. And, you know, it ended up helping me out, getting me better, getting me on kind of like on the ranking scale. But it was competitive, man. It, there was there was a lot of uh, competitive juices flowing from Chicago basketball to the suburb basketball. You know, we had some like high school all star uh, games where you know, it was a kind of mixture. But I mean, I had a blast playing in high school. So, you know, uh, you said suburban soft um, as an African-American growing up in the suburbs, right? Um, when you go to mm -hmm. play these other teams, did that weigh on you in terms of like, uh, you know, these guys are already assuming my identity as a person. They're saying because yeah. I, I grew up in a suburbs that I'm going to be soft playing hoop. Yeah. Um, amongst your peers in AAU who, pro who may have come from, you know, worse backgrounds, did you ever find yourself kind of, struggling with identity and those type of things especially because bas basketball is a melting pot right mm -hmm. but we all know you know the nba is dominantly african-american right um did that ever weigh on you in terms of like when you were going to play or was it more like i'm just gonna bust your ass it was a little bit of both, man. Like, uh, I would play against the city kids and they would come out here, you know, they would call me white boy and all that stuff. Like, oh, yeah. this, this dude is soft. Like, he's not ready for it. Like, he he hasn't played against us. He hasn't like done what Clapping in your face and clapping, shit. Clapping, doing all that yeah. stuff. And I, I took it. I was like, all right, bet. We'll see. We'll see. And so every time I stepped on the court, I had an extra chip on my shoulder just to show him, like, uh, I'm proud of where I grew up. I'm proud of where I came from. And 
Um, you know, all that tough talk is it's, it's over once the once the ball's tipped. You know, yep. so it's not gonna save you once you in front of me and you're on an island one on one. You know, I'm getting this bucket. So yep. <laughs> I took that I took that personally, and uh, you know, I let everyone know that I was gonna be the best no matter what, and you know, I ended up being the best. You know, so awesome. So you know, after high school, you go to Illinois. Uh, play mm -hmm. for the Fighting Illini. Were there any other choices at that time, or you were Illini all the way? Um, once my mom showed me when I saw the game where they played the national championship, you know, Darren Dean, all those guys. I I really I was like in middle school. I was like I didn't really watch college at the time. Yeah. Um, and I was just like I was like, well, who's that? And they're like, that's Illinois. I was like, those orange jerseys are crazy. I want to go there. Like, where's where's the school? And I I had just asked some questions. I was just a curious little kid. And she was telling me about it. And I was like, that, that right then and there, I was like, I wanted to be an Illinois basketball player. And, you know, I, I when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I was still playing on a sophomore team. I hadn't been moved up to, to varsity yet. And I had got an offer from Illinois, committed probably a couple of days later. Wow, so already, on the sophomore I, team? Yeah, I had already decided I was going there at a young age. I hadn't I hadn't really given myself a chance to really be recruited. Right. Um because I didn't really want to go anywhere else. I only took two trips to visit. I, I went to Northwestern and I went to Illinois. And, okay. um, you know, after I committed, that's when I really started getting recruited from like even, you know, other schools. But I, my, my decision was set and that wasn't going to change. What were your grades like? They were good, man. They yeah, were good. You go, I, you go I visit Northwestern. I think you're doing okay. <laughs> see, that's, see, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, listen, People say like, you know, stuff is easier for athletes and all this stuff. Mm. It's very stressful having to perform at a high level. And then a lot of the times they say, oh, you know, he probably doesn't need to do his schoolwork. He probably doesn't need to do this. It's a different situation, um, especially nowadays. Mm. How much did your parents stress scholastics and athletics if you had to compare them? Uh they were big on that. And, and, you know, my dad was pretty much kind of the enforcer and my mom yeah. was the one that kind of instilled it to me. Cause you know, she has a very special story, but she, she just kind of let me know as long as I did my work early uh, and often, like I would be able to have my fun and they would give me freedom. And, you know, once I saw how, you know, my brothers would do things and how much freedom they would, she would give them for not doing stuff. And how much freedom I would get just for doing my work on time and waking my just little stuff and waking myself up in the morning and, and getting my clothes ready for school rather than her going in and like pick waking them up and stuff, you know. God bless their souls, but they they just didn't they didn't figure it out as early as I did. So I wanted to make sure I got all my work done. Uh, I wanted to make sure I was good with my my teachers in case, you know, maybe I maybe I was too tired to to finish an assignment and I need an extension, or maybe I need I'm on the road for two road games. Look, I, I got to email my teacher. Hey, can I turn this assignment in when right. I get back? You know, and so once you build those relationships, which a lot of guys don't want to do, it gives you that much more leeway just to kind of be a little bit more freer. So absolutely, I figured that out earlier on. See, that's the thing. All right, so you go from these small high school gyms, right? You walk into this big D1 program. Uh, the first game, what's going through your mind? And who'd you guys play your first game? First Probably game, in conference. Man, man uh, first game, I don't remember exactly who it was. Uh, it might have been SIU Carbondale, Southern Illinois. Okay. That might have been a one, either game one or two or three. 
but I just remember coming in and me and my other teammate at the time, DJ Richardson, we had started as freshmen. We were only two freshman mm. starters. So that okay. kind of, that was like bigger, that changed like my whole college kind of like outlook. Like when I came in and we were like, kind of like the fre big freshman on campus, you know, I, I think I, I broke a freshman record in my first game. The second game I broke another freshman record and just seeing the crowd and, and the fans, how they react to it, walking on a quad, walking to class, people, Channing BP3, like that was just, that was crazy. I was like 18, 19 years old at the time. It's crazy. Celebrity life when you get there. Yeah. So you get there, you're playing hoops. Is anything of a lifestyle change going on? Um, because also like, listen, you're playing basketball at this huge program, right? Mm -hmm. you, you know, you guys are playing well, you're breaking freshman records, but is this the first time in your life where you're kind of on your own? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a big change, you know, coming out there uh, and just kind of having to fend for myself, you know. Yeah. I, I got that freedom a little bit in high school because my parents kind of let me do my own thing and they weren't stressing me about, you know, coming home at certain times. They knew I wasn't out doing crazy stuff, so they right, gave me right. a little bit more right, leeway. Right. But going out there is a different story. Like, you really don't have to do anything. And, and like, when I say yeah. that, I mean, no one's telling you you have to go to class. Like no one's telling you, you have to wake up at a certain time and eat this and that and the other. So I kind of had to learn responsibility in a, on a whole nother level, because if you get roped into the idea that you don't have to do these things, you really won't. And, you know, a lot of guys won't last. A lot of guys didn't last on my team. I had a lot of guys get, you know, kicked off the team or, or told like, you know, we can't bring you back. You're going to have to look for a place to go play. Um, and I, and I, and I saw that going on and I was like, I really, like you have basically, I don't want to sound cliche, but you literally have control of your own life and you're deciding to do what you want to do. And I wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing and doing right by myself. But you got to make it, you got to make it work for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're going to this big place, big school. They want you to play basketball. A lot of people don't uh, understand that it becomes a job for you guys. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. As soon as you go there, which brings me to my question. Uh -huh. Should college athletes be paid? One million percent, yes. Thank you. One one million, and I've wrote I've written papers about this in college, and I've and I've sources and cited things, yeah. and um, you can't pay everybody the same. No, uh, that that just can't happen. If anything, you know, I think the first step is allowing players to market and brand themselves. If I'm walking to campus, or if I have some old practice gear I want to get rid of, which I still have to this day. Right. You know, I have old stuff that I'm, you know, figure out ways to give it away and do all this stuff. But if, if, if a fan or someone wants to buy it off of me, why, why can't I just be like, that's, I was, we struggled in college for, for like meals. Like there was times where I had to stretch out meals because I wasn't going to have money for like snacks and stuff like that. So right. if I could sell a practice jersey for a couple hundred dollars, that's groceries. That's, yeah, that's food some, boot, like, some booster that would have no problem paying all that. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's just, I, I look at these universities and I see the endowment that they have. Um, there's no way that these kids can't get some money, uh, especially now too with basketball, a lot of the top tier guys are mm -hmm. one and done. So, you know, they're, they're going to get their money if they stay healthy. Right. Right. I'm talking about the guys that are there for four years, mm -hmm. you know, they're helping keep uh, the program where it's at for the most mm -hmm. part. They become mentors uh, to the one and done guys who come to these big, to these big programs. Right. 
you know, a free tuition's cool, right? That's what that's what they, that's what they sell you on. But God forbid, right. you know, some booster wants to offer you five hundred dollars for a game you scored thirty points in. You're gonna lose mm-hmm. your scholarship over that. It's 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 one of the most ass backwards things I've ever seen. It'd be different if college athletes didn't have television deals, um, right? You know, weren't playing in front of thousands upon thousands of people paying admission to come see the games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think college basketball, you know, listen, college basketball has its controversy, but college basketball would be so much less controversial if if kids just got paid. Exactly, and it it really doesn't make any sense. Like, why, if I'm walking down the street and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna grab, grab this sandwich, and I and I walk into a sandwich shop and I'm hungry. Why can't the person behind the counter who just watched our game last night and he's excited about the program, why can't he give me the sandwich for free? Yeah. Why can't he give me a Sprite for free? You know, like I'm going to lose. I, now, now I'm going to lose my eligibility because this guy is a fan and he doesn't want me to pay $15.99 for a sandwich and a, and a, and a drink. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it's, it's crazy. It's a scam. It's, it's crazy. It's a scam. College, college sports, the NCAA is a scam. It really is. So we're, you know, uh, even in terms of like, I heard they're bringing the video game back uh, for mm-hmm. the football video game. You know, they would have these kids in their video games. They would sell millions of copies of these video games yeah. and not give these kids any royalties. They would. Put I them will in say this. I will say this. You know, I, I, I had my, my four years in college is the best to this day, the best four years of my life. Like I would right. never, uh, I wouldn't give it up. I wouldn't change anything for the world. Um, and they, I think they started a small step when they when they had that uh, the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit, right? And we, we ended up getting our checks. I got a check. It wasn't for like a lot of money, but it was it's a, it start, was a small start. Yeah, it's definitely a small start for like the likeness and all that stuff. Um. So listen, you're the man in high school. You're the man in college. You go pro. It's the next step. Mm-hmm. The toughest step there is. Right. Uh, I think in professional sports, it's the smallest roster um, that you can make. Yeah. Um, even back then when you graduated, like the G League, like wasn't what it is now. Um, I feel like the developmental league is like a lot more prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about, all right, you're done at Illinois. Four years are done. Eligibilities used up. What are your coaches telling you? Uh, do you hire an agent? Are you talking to somebody? Um, what happens after that last buzzer goes off in Illinois for you? Um, I had left school. I finished all my courses, all my all my credits, and I went to Bradenton, Florida, and I was training at IMG Academy. Mm-hmm. Training for I was doing pre-draft out there, and uh, ended up coming back home, having a little draft party back in my hometown. You know, we all went to this bar down the street from my house. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Timothy O'Toole's and Gurney. Um, and I went undrafted that night. You know, it was it was a sad night. I had all my family and friends out there. I had family driving from you know Indiana, um, and that it, it was it was a fun night, but it was it was a sad night. But the next morning, it was like right back to it. My agent, I had an agent at the time, and um, you know, I signed with him, and he called me. He's like, "All right, this team wants you for summer league." This team wants you to summer league. You know, this team's going to give you this much minutes. This team's talking about this. You know, this team has this many guards. So it was, it was no, it was, I had no time to kind of 
just to sit back and kind right. of pity pity party. It was no no time for a pity party. So I, I made a decision to go out and, and play summer league with the Timberwolves, and uh, so I ended up going out there. My, my that was kind of like my first professional experience. Was Flip still coaching at that time? Um, Flip was. Uh, I don't think he was there at the time. Actually, he wasn't there at the time. Um, so listen, it's draft night, right? Let's touch on draft mm. night. A lot of emotions going through. You're probably thinking about your entire life up to that moment. Um, are you getting calls that, you know, these teams might take you? Um, how much of it is, do you know, do you not know? Cause now like with the draft, it's like, Woj tweets it out. And I know right. he's like, I know he's going number three, like a month before. Right. Um, what's the anxiety like in that, uh, you know, that war room kind of, are they calling mm-hmm. you? Are they, are they letting you know if they're going to take you or not? If you're here, maybe we might take you. What's, what's, what are those conversations like with your agent? Yeah. Um, I, my, mine was a little different. Cause I was kind of like a, kind of like a question mark. One of those border, like second rounders to borderline undrafted guys. And, you know, for some reason I had it in my mind, I, I, yeah, I might go late first. Like, I, I might go late first, yeah. but then my, my trainer, who's like, he's like family to me. My guy, Jeff Pagliaca was just like, he's like, what, what is your agent saying? I, I could tell that he, he knew that I wasn't going to be going as high as I probably thought I was going to be going, but he didn't really want to say it, you know? And, and now like, it, it's like my brother, like we don't hold anything back. He'll let me know like, yo, you suck last game. Like, uh, I yeah, yeah. Suck. Um, but at the time, how many, how like many brothers do you have? Uh, I have two brothers, but this is my trainer. Who's like, he's like oh. family to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. home. So he was, so he was just like, I, I don't know, maybe you should talk to your, your agent. My agent's like, he's like, yeah, we're hearing some stuff, but, but you know, just stay locked in. We've got a couple more chances in the second round, blah, blah, blah. So names kept getting rattled. And, you know, I had worked out with the Bulls twice. So I was real excited because they had another pick at the end of the second round. They didn't get picked. And I was like, I was like, dang, like this, this hurts. This stings. Um, like you said, it wasn't much of a pity party, but your ego has to hurt a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. yeah it you did know? it did you know I had everybody come out and you know, I was hoping to hear my name and it's it's as a kid growing up all you dream about you know especially the basketball player is is hearing your name walking across the stage and you know having having them hand you that hand you your jersey put the hat on you get the get the pose and picture in know, a terrible that. suit yeah exactly a yeah. suit that's clearly too big for me and yeah yeah you know. <laughs> but um so how was your transition after that? Like, I know you said it was pretty quick, but you didn't take like a couple like sad, sad boy days. No, no. And, and I'll tell you why I had, I had a mentor. He's still my mentor to this day. Uh, Dickie Simpkins. He played with the bulls. He got three rings with the bulls. Um, and then he had a, a lucrative career in Europe. You know, he played over in Europe about nine years. So he, I met him when I was like 14 years old. And I, that's when I started playing with his AU team and he kind of, show me the ropes, you know, that helped me out a lot throughout high school, being able to navigate and, and be a professional. And so it, it kind of just showed me that there was basketball outside of the NBA and I could mm-hmm. still make it, you know, even if it's a route that, I, that it's, it's less traveled. Um, everybody's, you know, goal is the NBA, right? If you want to be mm-hmm. a pro, right? Right. At, at some point, have you ever told yourself like, you know, maybe this isn't going to happen. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Or is just the love to play basketball the thing that just keeps you playing? 
Because it sounds um, like you're a smart guy. You know, you've yeah. always been smart. You could go do something else if you wanted to. Exactly. But yeah, for you, basketball, it, it, is question. it just because you just love playing basketball so much? Whether it not be on the quote-unquote highest level, but for you to mm-hmm. go play in these places which have extremely competitive basketball leagues. That's what right. a lot of people don't know. And I think it's been – um, it's not as – it doesn't transfer to the America that much, but you see mm. these guys, like if you look at Luca, that guy never played D one college basketball. Right. He played in Europe and you know, against he, him in Europe. he played against them in Europe. So yeah. it's, this guy is going to win like 10 MVPs. Exactly. So I, exactly. I don't think people see that it's almost, I think it's almost harder to cross over from there to here mm-hmm. uh, because the games stylistically are so different, but yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you know, the, the key's different, the ball's different, everything's different. Right. What keeps you going to being like, you know what, I'm gonna go hoop in Australia this year? It's the love of the game, or um, is it because maybe you're you know, you're still thinking like everybody wants to get to the league, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just I love I love the game. Um I love traveling. That's that's probably the other thing that I love to do outside of playing basketball. I love going to new places, meeting new people experiencing a different culture and last but not least i love uh you know i don't i want to say i love money but i love what money has been able what i've been able to do with money and, and i realize over there it's like you can you can still play this game and make a lot of money playing it and a lot of guys i think i care less about what the public or fans think about it. Like I get people telling me all the time, like you should be in a league and all this, that, and the other. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I probably should, but I don't care. Like I'm, I'm still making money playing the game. I'm still traveling. I'm still building different relationships. I want to be able to show, you know, cause a lot of kids don't know that they, they don't, oh, all, no, they, no. all they're told is you got to make the NBA or like you're trash or you're bust or like, yeah. and that's not the case at all. So people, people's careers, they could go from being here but they're here because all they want to do is make the league. So they, they, they sacrifice a lot to try to make that dream happen rather than, you know, it's like, maybe you want to do your dream job. Maybe yeah. you have to work a nine to five first. Maybe you got to put some money in the bank. And that's essentially what I did. See, like for me, like, listen, like I do podcasting for a living. Uh, it wasn't always like this. Like I had to have some shitty ass mm-hmm. jobs, you know, yeah. and, and, and that weighs on you. But I think it's just for you finding a comfortable place and getting to do what you love for a living. Mm-hmm. I don't care what level it is. I really don't. Right. If I get to do this for a living and, you know, listen, money's great. I'm not going to be one of those guys that's going to say, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to make more money or do this. But a lot of people don't understand. It's like, listen, Stefan Marbury was over here in New York. They ran him out of town. He goes to China. They build a statue for him. Exactly. You know, people love the game of basketball all over the world it's not just it's not just america um Mm -hmm. so you know this is a mental health show i I wanted to ask you when you're over there in all these countries mainly probably by yourself a majority of the time right your family's all back here do they let you bring a couple people with you to like you know just like some friends to like have with you over there do they allow that yeah yeah Every situation is different. You know, some guys have families, like when they start their professional careers, yeah. you know, they're married, they have kids. And, and if you're in a top league, like a lot, like your league is the best league in Europe. It's, it's the one league that you travel. It's the top competition. It's where a lot of guys, that's where Luca came from, you know, playing yeah. in your league. I played in my first year in your league. 
he was in Real Madrid. I was in a team in Istanbul. We had played against each other, same league and everything. And how'd so, you do? We 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 did well. We lost against them, but we you know played played well. Played well. Are they out there? All right. How old was he? Yeah. Uh, he was damn. He was might have he might have been like seventeen years old. Okay. And he 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 hurt us too. The kid had like, I want to say like uh, twenty and nine or something, and that's like forty and ten and or forty and fifteen in the league. Like yeah. crazy numbers. But teams will give you like flight tickets, and when you go to Europe, a team will put you up. They pay for your housing. They give you a car. They'll basically allot you some tickets in your contract so you can bring out family or friends. And, cool. you know, so I was able to do that uh, pretty much each year I was out there. What do you think your hardest year for you was uh, playing professional basketball? Uh, my rookie year, 100%. Why was that? 100%. Uh, I went to Russia. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I went to summer league with the Timberwolves. I didn't the, play the so many Niz, minutes. The Nizhi Novgorod? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I try, I, I've been trying to, I've been trying to pronounce it in my head for like the last 10 minutes, bro. Um, no, that was pretty good. I, all right, first all time, right. That was pretty good. I tried. But I yeah, tried. I went out there, uh, city, city of Nizhny Novgorod. Um, and I was just out there, bro. Like, and I mean, they, they, they gave me a place to stay. They gave me a car. The gym was, uh, down the road from my, my, my crib. And, uh, Every day was like, and this is like European practices. They're a little bit better now, but yeah. like they used to, you, you used to practice twice a day, a couple hours a day. It's like high school practice, and both were like taped. So like you're actually going to the gym twice a day, doing crazy, like playing every single day. Sometimes you leave, you go for you go to a game, you land back at your hometown, and you go straight from the airport to the gym and go to practice. Like just in the it, middle, it was, it was crazy in the middle of and Russia. I was. I was in the middle of nowhere. You know, the, the language barrier was tough. Now, all my teammates were cool. Like, I had a good group of guys. I had, like, four or five other Americans. My Russian teammates were cool. Uh, coaches spoke English for the most part. But, like, I was in a situation where my coach wasn't rocking with me and the GM of the team wasn't rocking with me, and it turned into a really, really shitty situation. Like, they – like, people don't understand. Like, it is – it is it's, it's why a lot of guys don't want to go to Europe. Um, it's, it's not an easy lifestyle, but it can, it can be an amazing lifestyle if you get put in the right situation. Um, so was there ever a year where you're kind of like, I can't take this shit anymore. Like, like your rookie year was that like, and were you ever close to just being like, I'm gonna hang them up. Um, I I've, I've never had those thoughts of early retirement, uh, like that. Um, I have had the thoughts of where I know people who have retired early and I've gotten the sense like, okay, I understand that. Because when I was younger, I'm like, yo, I'm playing until I, you got to wheel me off the court. Like right. I'm playing till the wheels fall off. You yeah. know, if, if, as long as they keep signing these checks, I'm going to keep going wherever I need to go to keep making money. Mm -hmm. Because this is basketball, you know, it's fun. You know, it's, it's not meant to be stressful. Um, but I, I did get to a point and I want to say it was around COVID where things took a huge mental toll on me where I was just like, Maybe I need to start transitioning to figure out other things that I love to do. Like I'm still going to play, but I'm starting to realize why guys are leaving early because they're, they're starting to find out other things that they love to do other than basketball. Yeah. And, and, and I think obviously like in the age, like social media, um, a lot of guys are like kind of building their brands now, but also mm -hmm. in terms of like 
they they could find other things to do besides playing basketball. Right. Which, which is a great thing because, you know, you see a lot of this stuff about, you know, professional athletes. A lot of them don't really hold on to their money statistically. It's just what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very true. So being able to try and find something that you could do post basketball um, and post any sport, it's, you know, you're going to be older way longer than you're going to be younger. Right. Right. You can't hoop forever. Um, what aspirations do you have outside of basketball or is it just eat? Man, sleep, I'm glad hoops? you asked that. Yeah, um, I love comedy, man. And um, I, I got to say this, when I was out there, Vine was huge. And oh, yeah. I had a Vine. I was big on Vine. I used to watch your Vines, bro. Your Thank you, bro. Hilarious. Um, so I was a big on Vine. Like I, and and I, I made a few that were like pretty funny. I wish the when the app got deleted, all my shit got deleted. But I, I saved a few of them. But you Vine can find was them. big. I was always big on entertainment. Like I was always a class clown. Um, I want to start my own podcast, man. I want to, I want to dabble into uh, comedy, you know, whether that's doing stand up. you know, I, I, I write a lot. I, yeah. I got notes, notes and notes of different comedy stand up, just stories that I have of different times, things that have happened to me, you know, and I've turned, I put like comedic relief on it. So right. um, I'm a big TV nerd. I love TV movies. So I want to get into something entertaining for sure. Okay, cool. Um, have you condensed any of it down? Do you have five minutes? What do you mean? Have you have you done any stand up yet? No, absolutely not. <laughs> right. Is is that a fear of yours, or you just don't, you don't you're um, not ready, or you feel like it's not funny enough? I think it's a little bit of both. I know I know that I can make it funny, you know, because I I've been in situations where you if you're around your friends, your friends know you're funny. They know right. your humor. If your friends so think you're funny, other people will think you're funny though. You know exactly, that, right? Yeah. So when I go into different groups and I can see that I can make different people laugh, I'm like, this might be something that I could be successful in. Um, but I know I haven't, other than like write down different stuff, I haven't like actually tried anything. I haven't really uh, done that. I'm that's that it's, it's definitely a small fear. Um, it's a small fear. But like, Somebody I, I feel like you, you've done it yourself. It's yeah, yeah. the hardest thing to do. I, I feel like it has to be one of the hardest things to do. Well, the thing is, what, what you have to understand about comedy, right, is mm. anytime that you're putting yourself out there, it is a piece of artwork and it is a piece of yourself. So right. there's nobody more sensitive than comedians. Right. Very sensitive people. They, mm -hmm. they, they portray this image of like they're very, you know, um, strong about what they're talking about, which a lot of them are. But if you see them in green rooms, they're scared. Um, yeah the biggest ones in the world, they have a hard time getting up there sometimes. Um, right. For me, it's something that I just realized if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, mm -hmm. and just when you're talking to yourself and you're writing those things, if you have all of this stuff written out, right. Mm -hmm. Be like, you know what, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to go through it as much as I can. I'm going to go with my best five minutes, bro. It'll be the longest five minutes of your life. But when you get off of there, it's like, um, uh, do you have any tattoos? Yeah. All right. You remember when you got the first one, you were nervous kind of? Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's kind of like, nah, nah, it's, it's okay. But it still yeah, hurts. A a, but it still different. hurts a little bit, right? It still hurts yeah. a little bit. But this is where it's like you take those kind of lumps. You know what I mean? Like right. even like in something on Vine, it's like if I didn't have something that was blowing up, people in the comments would be like, oh, this isn't like your old shit. Like you used to be <laughs> yeah. funnier, like back in the day, like you're not fucking yeah, funny yeah. anymore. So there's always going to be critics like that. It mm -hmm. takes 
boss. And for somebody like you, it's always like, oh, like, well, you know, you go and play basketball in front of millions of people on television when you're in college. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to all these other countries. You don't even speak the language. Right. You got to understand you already have the, the skill set right. to perform at a high yeah, level. Point. Mm-hmm. Right? You go to Russia. You don't speak the language. Doesn't stop you from going there, right? Mm-hmm. You go to China. Yeah. You play there. You go to Istanbul. You play there. All three mm-hmm. different languages. You don't care. You're going to take the challenge on, right? Right. Everywhere you go, you should try to do one open mic, especially if like COVID is, um, you know, not prominent. Australia seems like it's open. Just go do five minutes. Right. Dude. You'll love yourself way more. Damn, that's, that's, I appreciate that advice. Because I used to be the same way. I was working at a at a stand up uh, uh, club here called Caroline's. Mm-hmm. And like okay. all my friends were like, dude, you're super funny. Like we see you on the internet. Like, why don't you do stand up? And then one night they'd be just like, yo, go up there and do five minutes. So I did uh-huh. three, I did three minutes. Uh-huh. Cause like I got scared and I got nervous. I got some good laughs, you know, some shit didn't land, but it's right. something you come back to the green room. Right. And it's like, damn, dude, that fucking shit bombed. And like, everyone just starts talking about it. Once you get over the initial fear, it's going to help you in other aspects of life, dude. I'm telling you 100%. Man, I was I was listening to uh, one of your other podcasts. I was listening to one with Nick Letty, and I was listening to the one about loneliness. Yeah. And um, one thing you said was, "There's a you can find a million things not to do something, but then there's a million reasons to do something." Yeah. You know, there's like that's, there's just as that's many. a fact. There's just as many. It's like, listen, I always look at guys. I always wanted to be an athlete, right? Always mm-hmm. wanted to be like a professional athlete. Then I just stopped growing in eighth grade. And I was like, all right, right, I'll play tailback. You know, I'll go play like D3 football and shit, whatever. It's cool. When I talk to professional athletes who talk to me, they always, I always want to do what they're doing and they always Mm -hmm. want to do what I'm doing. Yeah, it's very synonymous. It's very synonymous. It's very synonymous. But I think someone like you, right? I just met you today, but it sounds like you are someone who's very interested in doing something in the arts. Mm -hmm. You have to want to do it though. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can have yeah. that moment where you're like, I'm not going to tell my boys, my teammates, nobody. I'm just going to go to this club and do five minutes. Mm-hmm. Let that be a part of your life. And then just be right. like, yeah, like this is what I do. Start slow. Sure, man. Don't put too much stress on yourself to do all this shit. Go through your notepad, get five minutes, condense it down, practice in the mirror and fucking go do it. That's a fact, man. That's it's, a fact easier, sure. it's, it's easier said than done. But I guarantee you, you're you're gonna love yourself more that you did it. I think so too. You know, um, and then another thing, like in terms of like Nick Coletti, for 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 instance, he struggles with crippling anxiety and mm-hmm. depression and all of these things. And I know that kind of fits the comedian stereotype, where like, oh yeah, we're right. sad, but we're funny. Mm-hmm. You you know what I mean? I wouldn't allow that to even stray you from that because if people are funny, they're funny. You don't have to have, you know, all these huge problems that happen in your life. If you have a way to convey your message as funny, that's all you need. That's all you need. Um, How long you been a fan of comedy? Uh, My whole life, man. And, you know, it's, it's, it kind of, I love that you follow me on Vine, by the way. It just makes me feel. You were hilarious, man. I used to follow all those guys. Like all the, 
uh, even your brother was funny as hell. Like when you guys would just make videos together, like yep. these guys are hilarious. Um, but I've always been a, a fan, and like it, when I'm not playing, like I'm I don't play video games. You know, I don't um, I don't do other things. I'm like a TV nerd, so I'm always watching TV. And comedy is like one of my favorite genres, com- comedy, and then like I'm a horror movie type of guy. So I watch yeah, yeah. all the funniest shows, and it's it's just always it's just. I've always been like that class, class clown. I, I enjoy entertaining people. I enjoy when I see other people entertain me and other people entertain others. You know, I've seen some comedy show. I've seen, you know, the, one of the funniest things I've seen is is Sebastian Maniscalco. I took my oh, parents yeah. to go see him in Chicago. He's great. You know, he's a he's from the suburbs like I am back home, and he's he's one of the best to ever do it. He's absolutely hilarious. Right? Let, he, yeah, he's an absolute savage. And that's another thing too. It's like with basketball you know it's like a melting pot you have different races races different cultures comedy is like that too but what you need to know about yourself is that you're already you're already an entertainer right you've done it already Mm -hmm. at the highest levels now this is just a different pocket for you to go after yeah yeah you know what i I mean i write it all down and different different examples different experiences and i've made people laugh I've, i've played in europe five years and I've lived in four different countries. I've made people laugh. So I'm like, I, this is something I can do. Once I, once I really sit down, like you said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna condense some stuff and and put something together, and I'm gonna go out and do it. Yeah, dude. Because listen, man. Like, like I said, uh, listen, you, you got the looks. Good looking guy. You know what I'm saying? It's all, it's all good. Uh, you know, you got the, uh, you're six five. I'm six four. Six four. All right. I think yeah, Wikipedia. I play like I'm six six and a half though. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you would ju- do just fine in entertainment. All right. Um, I just had a couple questions about mental health, if that's all right. Uh, because I know sure. you, you got a workout to get to, right? I'm good, man. We got. Uh, time. Oh, all right, all right. Um, have you ever had struggles with your mental health, whether it be anxiety in terms of coinciding with basketball or outside of basketball? Yeah, yeah. Um, it it kind of circles back to my rookie year uh, in Russia. Like, I didn't know if I wanted to stay. Uh, I was being treated very poorly by the club. You know, I, there were days where I would go to practice. They would literally just sit, tell me to sit on the sideline. Yeah. And I would just be sitting on the sideline watching the team practice. And then I'd wait for them to not be full court practicing. And they, when they would stay in the half court, and I would go on the other side of the court just to work myself out. And the coach would yell at me and tell me to sit down and try to, like, embarrass me from the team. And I'm just like – Man, this ain't it. So like after six months, I finally told my agent, like I was trying to figure out the best way to get out of the situation. I ended up buying out of the contract and, and going back home. And um, my second day, or I, I went back home, played in the G League. It was a it was the G League at the time, uh, or the D League at the time, the developmental league. And I got hurt and I had back to back to back surgeries. What'd you to hurt? The point where I, I tore my shoulder. I tore my labor in my left shoulder. Uh, I got back right, tore my right shoulder got back right, literally tore my left one again. And, and at that point, I'm, it's all mental. It's nothing about my physical abilities. I know I can get back physically. It was mentally, I'm like, like, why do I keep getting hurt? Like, why does this keep happening to me? Like, is am I really, am I ever going to be able to play at a high level again? And that, t- it was really bad. And, you know, good thing for me was I, I was on a lot of different painkillers, like tramadol or hydrocodone. And yeah, uh, I wanted to make sure I wasn't getting hooked on this because I was seeing a lot of guys you know from you know that's how it starts entertainers that's athletes. how it starts especially with athletes uh, they start getting hurt 
And these exactly. guys want to get them out there as fast as possible. They start writing them exactly. scripts for everything. Then two or, two or three years later, they're out of the league and they're drug addicted. Yeah. And so I was just like thinking about all the things, all the people that I speak into. And I'm like, yo, I can't, I can't fall into this. Cause it's so easy to just sit back. I'm sitting in my sling, you know, I'm popping pills and, and helping at the time. But I was like, I want to make sure I'm not getting hooked onto this. Yeah. And you know, you, you had talked about Chris Heron on one of your things. I, I heard him talk. He came to our school. He's and, one you know, of the I best. had a conversation yeah. with him and his stories. It was just like, yo, if I oh, had, you, sp- had you, you spoke to him? Yeah, I spoke to him. I know That's him. That's super and I, dope. And like, I'm going to reach out to him and try to see if he can get you on the podcast. Dude, and, I, you know, I, I would, be, be sick. I would love to talk to that. That dude's story is so awesome because I'm 30, I'm 32 now. And mm-hmm. I remember that cover of Sports Illustrated, like Iverson really? and Allen. When he was at Boston College, like I remember right. all that. He's a, he's a, he's a G. He's, Man, he's, he's, the, like, he's a this, savage. When he was telling it, my jaw was on the. I'm like, yo, there's no way you, you still did that after. Doing no, that. he was he like, yo, still went back and did it. Yeah, he would I'm just like, be like, yo. you know, like, um, uh, you know, uh, did some pills, shot up, dropped 35. I'm like, dude, yeah. I'm like, this I'm like, is fucking what? crazy. And then you're going back for more. Like, what are you? Like, bro, but he's like, no, I'm outside. He's like, like, I'm yeah. outside of the Boston Garden. I'm waiting there. I'm in my warm ups. I come back in. I have a triple double at halftime. I'm like, dude, <laughs> what the hell is this guy talking about? He's that, one of the most influential that. people. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, and also, you, you know, so, wait, I'm sorry. I cut you off. You're the only black no, guy in Russia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was a big <laughs> thing. Like, I mean, like, bro, think, like, my, my teammates were cool. And they would try to take me out to like, they saw how I was being treated. Like, let's take them out for a drink and show them. Even when I would go out with them, it was tough because they would yes. take me to this club and it was just techno. And I'm just like, ooch, ooch, ooch. And I'm trying to hear people talk to me. They're trying to bring people that speak English, but their accent is so thick. Yeah. I'm just not in my element. I'm like, I don't want to be here. Like, even I'm out, like mingling with people, I don't want to be here because I can't understand what they're saying. They can't understand what I'm saying. Very like, nerve wracking. Yeah, so I was just, I would go to and from the gym every single day, twice a day, go do my stuff. It became a routine. And it became a routine to the point where I was like, this is not something that I, I'm enjoying. I'm, I'm not, I'm dreading going to work every day. And a lot of people do that. And I think that it takes a toll on you mentally. For the injuries part, uh, can mm-hmm. you just elaborate on that a little more too? I don't think um, normal people, non-athletes, you know what I mean, who haven't mm-hmm. played at high levels, like you said, it's all mental. Can you expand a little bit on that? Like, obviously you have a torn labrum. That shit hurts, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, someone goes in your body and scopes your shit like, ow, that fucking hurts. But how much of it is getting the trust back in your body, learning to actually trust yourself again? Because that's mm-hmm. probably when you start to doubt yourself the most. You know how talented you are. Right. But now you have this physical ailment. Where's your mindset at in terms of recovery? Um. I had a lot of doubts in my mind. Like after the first one, I was like, this sucks. This is at the worst time. Like I couldn't even finish my rookie year, but let me get back. And an opportunity came up. I was playing with the Chicago Bulls summer league. And I was like, this is great. I'm going to be a third option behind, you know, at the time it was Tony Snell and Doug McDermott. Tony I'm going to be a third option behind these two, two guys who just got drafted by them. And I'm going to get actual time. And then I got hurt again. And Derek Rose was scrimmaging with us at the time. I'm like, all eyes are on us right now. Derek's coming back from his knee stuff. Tony and Doug just get drafted. And I'm about to be that the guy that comes out of nowhere and just kills it. 
right. I told my right shoulder. I'm like, damn, like why? Like why? It's another opportunity that just got taken away from me. And so I get back and I, I, I go back to the G League and I'm playing with my team uh, in charge or the Cavaliers G League team. And right before playoffs, I had a few teams that were ready to call me up, tore my left one again. And at this point, it was like, I'm home and I'm, I'm just like, I'm just sitting down on my couch and I'm just like in tears. I'm just like, yo, I might not ever be able to play again at a high level. Like, how am I gonna, I know I can get back to where I need to be, but is this gonna keep happening? Is it worth me fighting as hard as I did to get back to where I was only for it to happen again? Like, and it's just like, now there's doubts. Now I'm looking at the TV and I'm having these doubts are turning to other doubts. Now I'm just like, well, I'm better than him. Why is he still playing? Yeah, you see and guys playing, you'd be like, I could, I used to, I could bust his yeah. ass. Yeah, and so I got into that, fat, to that like cycle where I was just constantly like, why, why, why? And I had to just like mentally get out of it. Like I had to just be like, tell myself like, I can't keep doing this. Otherwise, I'm not gonna go anywhere from here. Like I just gotta change my mindset. Dude, what is the timeline on a labor? Uh, that's Jeez. a long fucking recovery time, isn't it? Yeah, man. It's anywhere from four to six months. You know, um, the first couple, the first one I want to say was like four and a half. Second one was quicker because it was a less of a tear on my right. So yeah. that was like three and a half. The last one was the longest one. That was about five. five so months you've, out. you've spent a year of your life recovering from exactly. horrible injuries. Exactly. Um, also, a question I wanted to ask: Do you think that professional athletes are overtrained? Absolutely. Because I Absolutely. feel like back in the day, nobody got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets I mean, hurt all the time, especially yeah, in like baseball. There's a lot. It just depends on where you're at, to be honest. Because the NBA does a great job of rest and recovery, and they yeah. have the resources to be like, all right, today. Like when I was on the Spurs, there's days where they're just like, yo, today's don't come to gym today. Like, yeah. We just, we just came off a four-game road trip. If you need treatment, let us know, but, like, don't, you know, don't come in. But in Europe, there, there is none of that. Like, if you get hurt as an American in Europe, they essentially look at you like, like, like when I was in Russia, bro, I used to get taken out of the air, and I would land, like, my body would be parallel to the ground, and I would land and flop like a, Ooh. like, I was like a little chew toy. Bounce, like, yeah, yeah. Flop on the ground, and the guy would come up to me just like, um, Brandon, you, you can play. And I'm just like, no, I can't play. My back. My yeah. back is like Mike Tyson. My back is broken. My back. Like no. We need we need new American ASAP. We need if you can't play, we get another. We, we get need a, we need another American. We'll try our yeah, best to get one. Um, <laughs> I will, I wanted to ask, which country, uh, which country that you played in had the best fans? Seems like the, the Chinese fans? go super hard. Oh, yeah, they love it out there. Uh, the team that I was on didn't have a huge fan base, but they definitely came out, and the fans were great out there. Um, I would say the biggest fan base was probably when I played in Greece, which was right before COVID happened. So oh, the wow. year the year COVID – when COVID happened, I was playing in Athens in the EuroLeague, and that shut our season down. Oh, okay. those fans. Yeah, the fans are great out there. Shout out to the fans of Olympiacos. They're great. Um, they're very passionate. Sometimes they're a little wild. Like and when I say wild, I mean, like, they're very, like, live and die for their team. Like, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a rivalry out there between Olympiacos and Panathinaikos, which are two Greek teams. Okay. And it literally makes Duke UNC look like Rugrats in Paris, like 
Really? Your fans, your fans can't go there. Their fans can't come here. Like they will literally like kill each other. And there's rules now. Like we have when you're in the when you're in the gym, there's there's coverings over our the, over where we're sitting, like on the sidelines, so yeah. people can't throw stuff at the players. Like you get lighters thrown at you, coins, lasers shown in your eyes. They they light fires in the stands. Like they, those fans live and die for the team out there. Being black in Europe, <coughs> what's it like? Um, there's there's pros and cons. You know, there's pros there's, and cons. There's some, there's some people that like literally have never seen like there's some places in China where they they've never seen a black person before. They've never seen an American before. So. Even if you walked out there, they'd be like taking pictures of you, like, like, yeah, it's hitting them with this um, shit. <laughs> I'll just be like cheeseburger. They'd be like, yeah, let me yeah. take a picture of you. <laughs> and but like, that's gotta but, be fucking bugged out, though. You go to China and people are just like, oh, I want to take a picture with you, and it's just like, oh, you yeah. want to take a picture of me because I'm black and six four. It's kind of nah, man. Like it, it, like I have, I probably have about two minutes of content of people just recording me, like, and oh. it's not even. It's not even like one of these, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a full out. We get on an elevator, and the guy will just be standing next to you, and he'll, he'll swipe his camera on, and I'm watching him because I'm taller than him. Yeah, so yeah. I'm looking at him do it. <laughs> he'll swipe his camera on and just like do this, and just like put, put his camera in my face. I have video of people doing this in an elevator, putting camera in my face, and like commentating uh, as they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, all right. And you like, know, the, this- you know those guys went home too. And I'm gonna help you write this bit, by the way. But uh, you know those, you know those guys went home and told all their friends and family that they saw a black person in the elevator today. Absolutely, they're saying they were, they're and saying they were blown Asian. away. Their they friends are like, "No fucking way! You, there's no way you saw somebody a black man in an elevator today, <laughs> liar." Prove I'm it, and they're just like, "Okay, look." It's like, no, like, like I don't take it like personally at all because like right, I understand right. like they like I, I'm not, I, I don't get mad. It might get annoying and it's invasive, but. I can't get mad because, you know, if I see some funny stuff back home, um, you you know, good and well, I'm going to take my phone out and probably start recording it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's like, we have is. World Star. It's like, you know, it like makes a little more yeah, sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it like, makes a little more sense. <laughs> have you dealt, though, with racism playing basketball over there? Yeah, yeah. You, you, I definitely have. I've gotten racist messages. Uh, I've gotten racist threatening messages. Uh, I've been denied entry in places before. Really? Um, I want to say... Yeah, I want to say overall, I've had good I've had good experiences in Europe and Asia, but I have there have been a, there have there has been instances in Spain, uh, in Russia, uh, one time in Istanbul, you know, where the people didn't let us into the club, where our teammates were there waiting for us, and we were at, and we're watching people come in and out, and they're like, yeah, we can't let you in. We're like, why? And they and then my teammate comes out to try to sort it, and they're they're, they're like, we don't we don't play their type of music, stuff like that. Like wild, it's, it's wild stuff like that. Because because yeah. when I looked at like um, when I looked at your Wikipedia, it shows like all the teams that you played for, right? So like I'm always interested mm-hmm. what race relations, you know, for lack of better words, basically mm-hmm. how mean are they to black people over there is what I try to say. But you know, it's I, like yeah. it's crazy <laughs> to think of, you know what I mean? It just right. it is what it is. You know what it's I a mean? Normal, it's, it's, it's just it's a normal a, thing. It, right, right. Um, I, honestly, overall, I've had good relationships, you know. Good. Um, there, there are bits and pieces where people just don't want to see you do well. 
But overall, especially playing for the teams that I play for, because a lot of the teams that I play for are the top teams. Yeah, I was looking, they're all the country. Big, yeah, they're all the, like top teams in those. Yeah, teams. so the fans love you. And then like once you once you're dealing with like maybe law enforcement or something, if you get pulled over, uh, in my experience over overseas, um, overall, they've been pretty cool. Like I tell them I try to let them know right away, like I play. Um, you know, if I know a little bit of the language, I'll speak some of the language and I've gotten some pretty good right. um, feedback from that. And just, you know, talking to the cops and, you know, they, they've been good overall. They're just like, whoop, whoop. You're just like, oh, no. They're just like, all yeah. right. Then, yo, you know, I play, I play. Oh, what team? And they let them through, let them through. Like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Be like, I'll fucking cross you right here in front of this fucking place. <laughs> I'll prove it to you right now. Um, the NBA, are we still looking for it? Are we still getting after it? Um, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be an option for me. Um, at this point in my career, I'm, I'll, I'll be 30 next month. Uh, I'm not going to take any pay cuts. You know, when I, when I left San Antonio, I got offered I a few that. of those I love two-way that. contracts. Yeah. I, I, I can't do it. It's like, I got to be paid my worth and I want to be played my worth. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I would, they, they have those two-way contracts in the NBA. I didn't want to take any of those cause I can make more money in Europe, which I've mm-hmm. continued to do. Um, but if a team comes knocking, you know, and it's the right situation at the right time, I would definitely go back for sure. You play for a year, right? Right. There's like guys who are there all the time. Right. Like right. the Timmy D's and the Manu's. It's like, oh, yeah, like mm-hmm. the facility. They have like their own yeah. in there and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? They have their own room. Tim Duncan has yeah. like his own like team or whatever. <laughs> he's got his own like TV. tape. Yeah. He's got his own like fucking exactly. ankle, ankle wrappers and shit are you on edge all the time being like oh dude like i could get like maybe cut tomorrow like i can get traded um what's pop like to deal with um he's awesome man he's what you see is what you see is what you get and like there there was a lot of times where i was nervous like i didn't want to i was like yo like even after i signed and i would say a couple of months in I would walk into the locker room and I would see my name and number next to a Spurs logo. And I just like, Oh shit. I can't, I can't really fuck this up. Like I, and I'm, I'm asking Monty, like, I'm like, yo, what do you think I need to do? Like, uh, Tony, you didn't think, like, no, BP, you're good. Don't worry. Don't worry. And, and it, there's a little bit nerves there. Cause you're trying to be perfect. I'm trying to be perfect. Like, right. It's not like, like you said, it's not like these other guys where, you know, to, Tim was retired at the time, but he'd come back and play with us. You right. Know? Especially when I wouldn't play, you know, I, I could go a month without playing a single minute. And so I have to stay in shape through practice. And, you know, Tim would come back. Matt Bonner would come back. Our video guys would play with us. And they all knew the players are all former athletes, great shape. And I'd just be like, yo, I got to I gotta stay locked in throughout all this. And, and Coach Pop helped me out, you know, tremendously. He's just a cool dude. And he's uh, he's always been an outspoken dude, just like about politics and shit. Uh, my, mm-hmm. brother's a, my brother's a captain at Carbone uh, Restaurant. Okay. Um, and this was the year who did you guys lose to in the playoffs that year? Golden State. Golden State. Now, this was mm. like a couple of years before when they lost to OKC. Okay. Listen, listen to how this fucking cool ass Popovich story, right? So mm. he he goes in the carbone. He's a big wine guy. Huge. 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 He has like his own, he has his own shit. So um he goes in there and he's eating and he's chilling and somebody brings up like, Oh, like what happened with uh, you guys in OKC or whatever. And he sat down and told them all like exactly like what happened, like basketball language, like this, (laughs) we didn't do enough of this. We didn't do enough of that. Uh 
He leaves and pays the tabs of the two people around him, mm-hmm. right? And, and left like a $30,000 tip. I hate to say that out loud, but Pop's the man. So that's, that's why that's, I'm not surprised in the, in the slightest. I think if you're going to play one year in the league, you got, you got like the goat. So like, come on. Yeah. I, I was, that, that helped me. That just helped that to take it back to mental health. That helped, helped me get back to like where I'm, where I'm at right now. Right. Like in a good space, knowing that if like any team could have called me and been like, I would have been like, this is my dream come true. You know, this is NBA. But the fact that it was the Spurs, like everyone wants to be a part of the Spurs culture. The fact that it was them, they took a chance on me, a kid from Gurney, Illinois, uh, North suburb of Chicago. Like that was mind blowing. And like, I'll tell this. you one, yeah, uh, go ahead. No, 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 finish what you're going to say, but this is something to be immensely proud of my friend. In Il- you, Illinois, that. 2009 to 2013, 2013, you go undrafted. You're playing in Niznad, Novogod, whatever. <laughs> you're playing for the canton charge completely different country uh coming mm-hmm. back to america right playing with uh, no. uh lebron's literal sister team well, that's what it is right yeah okay all right the D- i don't know what they call it d league g league yeah like, uh, it's like when colleges have sister schools um jove joventut juventut Barcelona. juventut spanish league my bad. spanish league in spain andalou on uh, on a dodo. No, that's uh, FS. FS. Okay. Yeah. You're playing and working your ass off from 2009 to 2017, and in 2017 you played the entire year with the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, man. If that doesn't blessing. talk about working your fucking ass off and not giving up on something that you know that you could do, I don't know what else. Through labrum surgeries. That, that mm-hmm. is so inspirational that that took you the long way. And that took did, almost 10 years to do. Road less travel. And you want to know something? The best thing about that is no one in the history of the world can take that away from you. Absolutely, man. That is super Absolutely. inspiring. That is super inspiring because I looked at your Wikipedia for a second, but I always like to look at the career history. Mm-hmm. These are just unbelievable how much you bounced around. And for you to stick I with that it. and keep your head where you had to keep it. And then, man, I, I, I don't try to push religion on here because everyone has different outlooks, but that that's God's work there for me. It's, it really is, man. And he's, he's, he's shown me different ways and he's shown me ways to be successful. And I can really attribute a lot of that just to my faith in him. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one quick pop story. Yeah. Yeah. Just to please. show you like, like and there's there's a lot, but I we we like to do keep Spurs Spurs and keep it in, Spurs. keep it in, yeah, for sure. So uh, last year or this this past this this uh, past year, I was sending out you know Happy Father's Day texts, you know, just texts to different people, and I sent him a message, Happy Father's Day, and uh, two minutes later I get a he, he's calling my phone, and keep in mind I'm just like. I'm just, you know, shooting texts. Like, hey, happy Father's Day. Right. No one, no, my dad didn't even call me after I said happy Father's Day. Now we surprised him, but. Right, right, right. He calls me and I'm just like, I'm st- I'm like, hello? And he's just, hey, Brandon, like, thanks for the message. And I'm just, we just have a conversation. Five, 10 minute conversation. And this is a few months, you know, a few months back. Right. And I'm just like, he did not have to take any time out of his day 
to to call me to thank me. Sure. He could have just said like, thanks. I'm sure his phone's getting blown up, you know. And just the fact that he called me to thank me and just took time to speak to me, you know. Obviously, I played there, but like, he didn't have to do that, and that's right. just like very humbling thing for him for to to experience for sure. And you know, I don't know him at all, but it seems like he he might be one of the only guys to do that. Mm, um, for sure. You, you could tell that uh, he takes himself very seriously, but not that seriously at the same time. No, no, nah, man. We, he's, he's all about life and just and that's enjoying life. And you're going to take that with you for the rest of your life. That guy probably doesn't mm. know how much you changed his life in one year. Mm. You know? Um, yeah. Couple of uh, basketball nerd questions. These are for me. The audience could do whatever they want to do. What was the one guy that you stood in front of on the court and you said, holy shit, that's really him? Um, because with AAU, you play with a lot of these yeah, guys. You know, you've honestly, seen them already. Honestly, nobody, man. Honestly, nobody. It, the only time I, I don't get, I don't get like starstruck from athletes. Like I right. never have. Yeah. Like if I saw Larry David walking down the street, I would lose. I would be like, yeah, I have a latte Larry shirt, bro. Like I'm a yeah. big curb fan. Yeah, yeah. I would lose my shit. I met, I met uh, JB Smooth at MJ's birthday party in, yep. in, in LA. And I was just like, hey, I got to take a picture with this dude. But I, I was, I would say when I was guarding KD, I was like, Look, you, you really can't guard this dude. There's like, really, this nothing dude's really seven foot tall. I'm just here. I'm just here for until the next guy's here. And when the next guy's here, he's still going to score. So if he scores on me. I can't take, I get mad when I get scored on. I, I can't take it personally. I, I can't get mad about it. Cause like, there's nothing that I can do. I mean, that's kind of dope though. Yeah, I was just, just like, like this, I, I, uh. and and by no way, like, listen, dude, like, I know, like, people will say, um, you know, people always talk shit, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's just an amazing. You, I, I hope that you do take the time from time to time to realize how amazing uh, of an accomplishment that is to mm-hmm. go through all those surgeries, reach that pinnacle, get be able to be in that fraternity. And that's a tight right. fraternity. All of my friends who have like been like that are professional basketball players. I always ask them. I was like, "Yo, is it really as like close knit as it is?" And yeah. they're all like, "They're all like, yeah." It really is, man. It really um, is. Okay. If you have to take two players that you played against in a three on three, who you taking on your team? Sounds like KD's one of them. Yeah, bro. I gotta bring KD, ultimate bucket getter. Um, Last person I need a rebounder because rebounds win games, rebounds win championships. Um, shit, it could be any time. Nah, nah, that you played with. That I, oh, I played. Oh yeah, I played with her against. Um, ooh, I'm bringing I'm bringing Brian Dunstan, man. Brian, we we call him Brian Dunstan. He's from he's from New York actually. Okay. Uh, he plays for the team that I used to play for, Anadolu FS, which is okay. a team in Istanbul. They're in Euroleague. Um, he's a monster on the boards, a good defender, a good rebounder, probably one of the best American players in Europe to never play in the NBA. You know, he's an undersized four or five. Um, where'd he go to college? And he's, he went to, damn, where'd he go to college? These New York guys never go to school in New York. It pisses me off. Uh, I don't want to say. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we, you know we're rooting for St. John's over here. We haven't had a team since, you know. <laughs> Iona got he into the went, tournament. Sorry about your guys. From, 
he's from Queens and he went to St. John's. He went to St. John's. Yeah. If he's from he Queens, yeah. If he's from yeah, Queens, he went to, he went to St. John's. Too. That's why I was like, that yeah, name yeah. kind of sounds like St. John's. Um, I'm sorry about your Illini this year. Um, have you mentally recovered from that? Bad news. It's a mental health show. Yeah, mentally man. recovered from that. My team, my team's giving me shit about it because I haven't stopped talking about them nonstop in like the group chat and like I wear my Illini shirt on the road. I'm like, yo, my boys are taking it this year. They got the first year. They just won the Big Ten. There's no way. I saw the match up Loyola and like whenever you as Illinois, whenever you play another team from Illinois, they come with their AK, super hype, you know, every time. Now, and they know you, Loyola, and they know you, yeah, and they know you. But Loyola is good, man. And hats off to them, not taking anything from them. They they were in the final four when I was in San Antonio. And, you know, mm-hmm. they they have a hell of a they have a hell of a staff over there. You know, they they know how to recruit. Um, you know, so they 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 got a lot of guys. Shout out to Drew and and um in London, guys that, that are coaching over there, guys that I know from growing up. Um they have one hell of a program. So, you know, if it was anybody that's going to beat us, I'm, I'm proud of those, those two guys. You know, I know, I know those guys. All right, cool. I mean, I feel like once you play, you know, you know, a guy everywhere. Um, yeah. In terms of relationships, obviously basketball is probably giving you some of the best friends of your life, if not the best friends of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you've had a life where, you know, I guess you get you get paid to play, so you're taking from the game. Is there anything that you mm-hmm. want to give back to the game when maybe you're done playing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to be able to get in the young kids' ears to let them know that if they don't make it to an NBA, they shouldn't see it as, as a failure. They shouldn't right. see it as, like, you can still go make a lot more money in this game. You know, there's guys in Europe that that'll make more in Europe than they will in the NBA because if they come to the NBA, they might sign, you know, rookie minimum or veteran minimum. And, you know, they get taxed. You only bring a certain amount home. Go to Europe, you bring all your money home, bro. You can't get taxed. You know, they take care of you out there. And there's still a chance to make a lifestyle. So I definitely want to I want to start some sort of foundation. And, and I don't know if I want to do camps. I want to do more workshops, bring people to talk to these kids, let them know how to save money. Right. Let them know how to how to act in the, from a business aspect of things and things of that nature, for sure. Um, and you said MJ's part. That's Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, oh, I grew okay. up with his kids playing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so you got those trophy room ones? No, I don't. No, I don't, man. <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll talk off air. This is a problem. It's not a problem. Um, but listen, man, uh, BP, I can't thank you enough for coming on, dude. Let's uh, honestly, yeah. let's stay in touch. Anything you ever have, sure. questions about comedy, whatever. And then I if I ever, sure, you know, if I want to bother you about Popovich stories, I'll text you and shit. Um, Hello, man. Where can they find you on the internet? Um where can they find you, you know, basketball shit, any link, anything you want to promote, let them know and they'll go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Check my Instagram. I usually post all my, you know, game links and, you know, game schedules with, you know, central timing. My Instagram is bpaul, B-P-A-U-L. My, uh, my Twitter is BP3. And, you know, the Twitch stream for our league right now is twitch.tv slash MBL. So um, check that out. You know, I'm, I post a lot of updates on my Instagram, so you can check that out sure and uh last question before we leave uh, me and you uh game up to 10 ones and twos how many buckets am i getting you're not you're not scoring man you're not i, th- you I, not- I could get one i can get one drew uh drew holiday uh ducked me he was supposed to play me uh, uh you know i can i feel i can get a bucket on him um 
I don't know how good your defense is, but if I can get a bucket <laughs> on him, I want to see if I can get a bucket on you too. So I'm, right. I think I can get one. All right. I, I'm, I tired, I'm tired of guys York. ducking me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm tired of guys ducking me. I know Drew doesn't want to play. I'll, I'll give Drew buckets. Uh, I'll give Corey buckets. Um, yeah, for sure. Definitely give Corey buckets. I'm asking you as a friend, as a new friend, ones and twos, I get the ball first. It's winners. How many shots do I get before I'd never see the basketball again? You probably, you could probably get one shot off. You might have to launch it, but you'll okay. get one shot right. off. All right. Once I get it, it's over. We'll, we'll get it done, bro. I spent a lot of time in New York training. We'll when you come to, to New York, gym, when you come to New York, we're going to set it up. And then if I get one bucket, I get to go to Michael Jordan's next birthday party with you. All right. We'll do that. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do that. Thank you so much for your time, man. Listen, like Thanks I said, me, you got my number now. Shoot me a text. Let's stay in touch, yeah. dude. Thank you so much for, for taking sure. the time. Best Appreciate of luck to you man. in Australia, man, and keep grinding. Yes, sir. I'm going to go eat a sandwich that you can't eat. because Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Peace. Take care. You too.